This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Are you ready to get caught up on the top news happening in and around Chicago? I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset's Weekly News Recap. Has it already been a week? We saw a lot of big news this week, and as always, we've got you covered on all the important details that you might have missed. Stories like these. Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced Chicago's new casino will be in the River West neighborhood, as many were speculating. That means some big changes ahead for the longtime Tribune Publishing Center. Chicago will be moving forward with the Bally's proposal. It will make the River West area of the city a whole lot busier as well, and that is not sitting well with many people that live there. Bally's committed to 60% minority hiring with a focus on hiring employees from neighborhoods with the highest unemployment and lowest income. Here to help break down the top stories from around the city, suburbs, and state are three great journalists. First up is WBEZ race, class, and communities reporter Natalie Moore. Hey, Natalie. Also with us is Erin Hegarty. She's a city hall reporter for The Daily Line. Erin, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News. Good to have you back, Mike. Good to be here. We have a winner, folks. Mayor Lightfoot announced her pick for the first casino in this city. Where's it going, Erin? Yeah, so this is on Thursday, just yesterday. Uh, the mayor announced that it's going to be uh, the Bally's Casino in River West. So that's near uh, Chicago and Halstead at the uh, Tribune Publishing Plant. Um, and it's going to be, I mean, it's not just going to be a casino. It's going to be a $1.7 billion uh, resort development with, you know, the casino itself is set to have 3,400 slots, 173 table games. It's going to have a hotel, an entertainment venue, um, and like an, an outdoor music venue. So, you know, it, it still needs approval from the city council and the Illinois Gaming Board. But but yeah, if that's all approved, it, it's going to go there. And that's in the city's 27th ward. And Alderman uh, Walter Burnett is not pushing against it. So that's, that's good news yeah. for the mayor. Seems to be supportive. You know, a lot of People were also surprised to hear that the um, the temporary casino was going to be in the historic Medina Temple. Did you see that coming? I didn't. No, um, I was just you know telling Mike earlier that was like one little nugget that was interesting mm-hmm. um, yesterday because we all kind of knew that it was going to be Bally's, but I think the Medina Temple as the temporary location was kind of surprising, and it's not. Um, so that's in the forty second ward. Um, and the 42nd Ward Alderman is Brendan Riley, and he's been against this casino location. So I'm interested to see what kind of discussion that breeds. Natalie, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. What do you think of the mayor's decision here? Because this is this is a long time coming. You know, I used to be a reporter in Detroit, and there were three casinos there that pumped in um, $100 million a year. 
And that was seen as a last resort because the auto industry couldn't do everything, um, you know, depressed housing values, you know, all the things about Detroit. So when you hear a place like Chicago that wants a casino that has a diverse economy, a global city bringing in a casino, that really changes the city. And I think that that's the hesitancy that people have. What does that mean for the other casinos around the state, for Indiana? What does this mean for the composition of the city to have a – this isn't just a – this is not a NIMBY issue where we see neighbors or people get really upset. A a casino is much, much different. It has much different regulation. Um, So I think that there's still lots of questions, accountability. um, And to your point about hiring, you know, what we heard about who – Hiring from neighborhoods, training, you know, are there going to be pathways? What about suppliers? What about, you know, all kinds, not just the contracting, because there's a lot of focus often on the building of a development. But the construction doesn't last forever. So what other, you know, social equity programs and hiring are, are going to be are going to be there? Yeah. And Mike, Bally's, which is based in Rhode Island, is the only one of the three bidders that doesn't operate another nearby casino. What else do we actually know about the company, Bally's? Well, it's uh, being taken private by a hedge fund, and it's not clear what's you know what's going to happen to the management and in what direction they're going to go after that's completed, assuming it is. Um, and in addition, there are headline uh, features to to their proposal and and to what's been uh, backed by the mayor. But when you dig deep into the actual documents and you read them, the 500-room hotel, uh, all they've promised is to build 100 rooms. Oh. And so 500 500 is aspirational. And, you know, the mayor talks about $200 a year. Uh, But when you look at the consultant study that came out in March, it it said $191 million a year to the police and fire pension funds six years after opening. And if it's only a 100-room hotel, that shrinks the actual annual revenue to about $170 million, which is on a par with what Rivers and uh, Hard Rock are offering. Right, And, you know, so it, it, it's... These are all issues that are going to be hmm. dealt with by in in, in the public debate. The details um, we've, are we've had uh, Alderman Riley from the 42nd Ward, Alderman Hopkins from the second, uh, announcing that they're going to follow their constituents uh, and 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 try to fight this thing. Well, Aaron, at the start of today's show, we actually heard from Brian Israel, who is uh, from the River North Residents Association. He was talking about residents' concerns, saying that uh, you know Bally's specifically doesn't have the expertise to really pull this off and that folks are just very worried about traffic. Tell us more about their concerns. Yeah, I think traffic is is a big thing. I mean, that's I feel like any new development, you have to ask, what is this going to do to cars, you know, traveling in the area, people coming in via transit. So I think that's traffic is a big concern that we've heard. Also, you know, you're bringing more people into this neighborhood um, where, I don't know, where are they going to go? Is this going to take away um, from other businesses that are already um, 
in the loop or, or in the downtown area. I think that was one concern of, I think it was Brendan Riley. I mean, I'm not a casino expert, but I am. It, it, it is interesting to me that people are bringing up the question of, of where can we look to see how Bally's is going to perform yeah. um, in a similar sized casino. Well, Mayor Lightfoot made the casino announcement to a packed room at the offices of the Mid-America Carpenters Union. Let's listen. 30 years and two mayors later, I'm pleased to announce that in 2022, we got this done. A city casino signals to the world that our economy is on a strong path towards recovery, ready to develop new and lucrative projects that will benefit all of our residents. What was the significance of that location, Mike? Well, uh uh, another soundbite uh, that that you could have played uh, was the secretary treasurer of the Carpenters Union describing the mayor as my personal friend, oh, and signaling for all the world, all but saying that uh, he and uh, the Carpenters are are behind her reelection bid. He also said that uh, hey, you know, she's getting blamed for things in this COVID uh, fight that uh, are not her fault. Are um, you saying this is political, Mike? Well, I think it might be. I, I, Sasha, you sound shocked. I am. I'm, uh, indeed. Gambling here in Zikasbah, gambling here at <laughs> Chicago and Halstead. Were people surprised by Lightfoot's pick, Mike, overall? No, it, th- this has been apparent since March. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've, you guys have talked about it. Uh, the, uh, the consultant, uh, which, by the way, the the consultant has become controversial for reasons that may or may not be legitimate. But it, it's been apparent since March that uh, that this was the one the mayor was backing. And I, I think one of the things that happened here, because she had been talking, members of the city council special committee on casinos had the impression that they'd have more than one meeting before the mayor made her announcement. She just decided to cast aside the this process and just go ahead and and announce her pick. Yeah. You know, some former Chicago Tribune employees are chiming into uh, former Tribune columnist Heidi Stevens tweeted yesterday, the newsroom that raised me and so many other journalists is luxury condos. Now the printing plant that churned out our work is becoming a casino. It breaks a big formative part of my heart, end quote. You know, as journalists in this room, I'm wondering if that building has any significance for you. Natalie? Uh, the planning print, no. <laughs> I mean, does, you know, it, does it somehow I, I, feel like the end of an era, though? You know, I enjoy getting my paper delivered and reading it. <laughs> um, I don't have the same sentiment to the printing plant um, because the paper is still going to be printed. I, I don't know where. Um, and I, I would imagine most Chicagoans don't really care about that detail. I do think that the Tribune Tower has been more iconic for journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think most of the public is thinking about the Tribune. What do you think, Erin? Yeah, as a former, uh, I, I covered the suburbs for one of the Tribune papers. And being inside the printing plant is really cool to like walk through and see the paper literally being, you know, fed through and spit out the machinery. It, it holds sentimental value for that. Um, and I think just thinking about, like, everything that the Tribune has been through in the past several years, you know, to see, to potentially have to move again is, uh, it, it's not a good feeling. 
Are you feeling a sense of loss here, Mike? I'm not. That building is an ugly, just concrete and brick block. <laughs> I'm not saying however, it was a pretty building. but <laughs> However, I can identify with the uh, with the Tribune people who for for whom it's been the newsroom uh, yeah, in sure. recent years, um, because I think back to the days I spent seven years working for the Sun Times uh, on the site of what's now the tri- uh, the Trump Tower, and I remember the entire building vibrating when those presses started up, and that hum was part of because I worked the overnight shift when I first started there and uh you know that 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 hum and the vibration was just part of the experience which uh those those monstrously gigantic presses uh, in the Freedom Center at there that's uh, now going to be torn down and replaced by this casino if it's approved yeah um you know yeah I I, I get that if you know uh, Sasha if I could just I, I think it's, it might be worth talking about um the design of of this proposed casino. Sure. I mean, Maurice Cox, um, who's from where I sit, argue he's the uh, commissioner for planning and development, and arguably um, the most brilliant appointment Mayor Lightfoot has ever made. He's a former mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, he's a he's an architect. He's taught architecture, including for seven years he taught architecture in Florence, Italy. Um, he did a really impressive uh, – at, at, at this news conference, he delivered an impressive analysis of, of the design they're promising. And one of the striking features about it was that he says there's going to be, unlike so many urban casinos, like that Cleveland the, – the, the, the converted Higby's department store in downtown Cleveland. That's just an ugly block. And it's <laughs> just a mess – uh, it's oh god, it's dreadful. He says this is going to be outwardly looking, uh, and if you even if you don't enjoy gaming, uh, Maurice Cox said you'll enjoy going to this place. And at there, at, at his request, at the request of the administration, he says, Valleys has agreed to put the main casino floor on the second level, so that when you first walk in off what's going to be two acres of green space along the river and a, and a river walk, there will be other features. So I don't gamble. And as he was talking, I was put in mind of how, you know, of, of a University of Illinois study from some years ago uh, that about 80 percent, about 80 percent of those wagers in the state of Illinois are placed by about three or four percent of the population. This this addictive, uh, you know, the, the addictive nature of gambling and uh, the predatory nature of it. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I, I was really pleased to hear uh, that this that this building may be uh, very different from what we've seen elsewhere. Well, before we take a quick pause, Aaron, would you bet that this casino is going to be approved by the city council? I don't know. Um, I would guess that it will pass, but I'm it seems like it might be a close vote. Um, I know you have, you know, Alderman Hopkins and, and Riley saying, you know, the mayor can, you know, usually drum up the votes when she needs to. But um, I don't know. I think it'll be really close. Yeah. We're about halfway through this recap, but there are a few more stories to talk about that you won't want to miss. Roe versus Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court case guaranteeing abortion rights 
appears to be on the verge of being overturned. Many of the Republican candidates for Illinois governor are supporting the possible row back of Roe, with one notable exception. Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin declined to speak yesterday about the possibility of the case being struck down. Let me be clear. No matter what atrocious opinion the Supreme Court officially rolls out this summer in regards to Roe v. Wade, abortion is safe and legal in Illinois. Natalie, let's turn it over to you. A leaked draft decision showing that the Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade dominated the headlines this week. Illinois is poised to become a haven for abortion rights in the Midwest. What's the reaction been among local advocates and abortion providers? That has been a matter of when Roe was overturned and not if. They weren't surprised. I think everyone was shocked by a leak because that's never happened. Right. And I think there's also been surprise at the language that was, it it is a very strongly worded argument. (laughs) So I I think that those things were surprising, but not what was happening, Uh, the, the, the content the, the the decision of the conservative justices. Illinois has been a safe haven. I did a story a couple of years ago about the number of out-of-state abortions that have risen in the state. And I spent some time with the Chicago Abortion Fund, which pays, gives people money if they need for travel, if they need it for the procedure, whatever that they need. And with the consent of callers, I was able to sit sit in and hear women who were calling. And one woman said, I live in Iowa and abortion is illegal in Iowa. And it's not. But I think the point is that there's so many restrictions that it that are out there. For her, like it that might it as well felt, have been. Right. Wow. You know, Governor Pritzker told us Wednesday on reset, uh, uh, Tuesday rather, on reset, that he's he's worried about what this draft decision could mean for other rulings. Let's listen. If you think the Republican politicians who have engineered the court's reversal of Roe v. Wade are going to stop with that? Well, that's that's just not true. Mm-hmm. This is just the beginning. They're going to take away marriage equality. They're going to take away civil rights for marginalized and minority communities. And frankly, if they can reverse a 50-year-old uh, settled uh, case and law, then every Supreme Court decision that's been made that's you know made us freer and made this country fairer uh, could be reversed by this court. Well, Mike, do you think that we're going to see a lot more of this kind of talk from the governor during the campaign? Because essentially what he's doing is he's setting himself up, right, as the best person to safeguard our rights. Yes, that's going to be a key we're going to see lots, lots plank more. of his campaign. And, uh, and in fact, we're going to see Democrats uh, do this across the country because uh, it is a key issue for base Democratic voters, and it's a chance to energize Democratic voters who have appeared anything but energized. Yeah. What do you think, Natalie? Oh, absolutely. More of this. Um, I was trying not to to burst out laughing at what Mike said. (laughs) Oh, me too. Uh, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think we're, I mean, Mayor Lightfoot used an email to fundraise and talked about it. And, you know, what can Chicago do? (laughs) Well, I mean, the mayor's, the mayor had, what, you know, just one of several preposterous sound bites in the wake of uh, in the wake of this leak was the one where she said, "As long as I'm mayor, abortion will be a right in in the city of Chicago." And of course, 
She has nothing to do with it. It's mm-hmm. a and she and the city. Any future mayor has has nothing. This is a decision made by the general assembly and the governor. Mike, Republican gubernatorial candidate Richard Irvin still hasn't commented on this leaked draft document. Is that right? That's right. And uh, campaign insiders say that uh, he may talk. Remember, the primary is June twenty eighth. They say. He may have something to say after the Supreme Court ruling comes out, which court spokesmen say could come in July. So, so don't hold your breath for Richard Irvin to have anything to say Nothing about it. Nothing soon. But, but speaking of Irvin, though, billionaire Ken Griffin just dropped another $25 million into his campaign war chest. What are Irvin's chances now in this race? Well, his pollster released a survey showing that he has a healthy lead uh, over uh, – Darren Bailey, uh, who's running to his right in the Republican primary, but with 25 percent of uh, voters undecided. And the pollster conceded that Bailey has the potential for substantially overperforming his poll numbers, uh, a la Donald Trump, who, by the way, also has said virtually nothing about the abortion ruling. Shocker. Aaron, any thoughts on on how abortion might fit into this upcoming mayoral race? Um, I think it's probably, you know, as Mike said, a platform for the mayor to continue to to fight on. I mean, sure, maybe Chicago doesn't have control to, like, change the way the state operates, but, um, you know, she said she's, she's going to do everything to ensure that, you know, Chicago is a place where people can safely um, come to come to get abortions, and I think that's, that's one thing she can do. Um, and I think, you know, Alderman... I don't know if that'll if it'll trickle down to, you know, aldermen debating this, but they can say what they want on on social media and and kind of, you know, also try to safeguard that Mm -hmm. that right. You touched on this before, Natalie, abortion rights, you know, secure in Illinois law because of the state's Reproductive uh, Health Act. But we are surrounded by states, of course, that would likely outlaw abortions here. Do you think that we could end up seeing an expansion or a growing market for abortion services in Illinois? Oh, absolutely. That's been the trend for years, and it's going to continue. We also have to remember that, yes, Illinois has all of these protections, and it feels safe, and people are saying it's a blue state, but the rest of the state doesn't feel the way, some of the rest of the state doesn't feel the way the northern part of the state does. And also access is an issue. So you have to map out where there are places to receive abortions in the state. And you're going to see just more in the northern part. Um, You know, southern Illinois is closer to Mississippi than it is to Chicago. So I think that there are stories to be told about access. Um, Also, Missouri, you know, there's in, there's been a lot of talk about this is like the Handmaid's Tale. I think we should also remember the Fugitive Slave Act <laughs> in this moment. So what does it mean if a state like Missouri gets to pass a a law that says you can prosecute people in another state for aiding and abetting them getting an abortion? So there are, are um, other implications. Yeah. For doctors in Illinois and well, clinics. Well, on the flip side, could it actually become more difficult for Illinoisans who are seeking abortions because of this demand becoming so high? 
That's a that's a good question. And, you know, the, there are these abortion funds across the country that raise money. Um, but it's still hard to get to, like, taking off work, driving, flying, taking the bus. Again, this gets to the access issue. Right. So Not everyone can afford that. Right. And Illinois is this, you know, haven you know, if when Roe, if Roe is struck down, a place like Louisiana, for example, the closest place to get an abortion is going to be Illinois. That's not easy to get to. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, it, it may impact Illinoisans, but um, I think it's even larger than that. Switching gears. Aaron, uh, Chicago unveiled its bid to host the 2024 Democratic National Convention. Are there any interesting takeaways from that? The interesting thing to me is this happened, you know, this week, and I don't know that it got necessarily the attention that it needed or the attention that it could have gotten I tend to otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of city and state officials are on board with, with bringing the 2024 Democratic National Convention to Chicago. Um, the announcement of the, the bid was kind of rolled out alongside a, a video narrated by Common, and it kind of, sh- you know, showcased the city's, like, different neighborhoods and attractions and restaurants and and you know to be honest I felt kind of a pang for like Chicago summers watching it um because it's been so (laughs) dreary and I was like oh oh yeah Chicago like that's it um but no and and the mayor made the case that you know the last time the city hosted the DNC was in 1996 and the city has has grown since then including she listed specifically the the Wintrust arena and she said you know the city has a lot of hotels and, and places people can can stay and, and go all within walking distance of each other, which was an interesting observation to me. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm interested to see who else is. I, I don't know if anyone else has officially thrown their hat in the ring, but, yeah, yeah. got to got to. Drink a lot of coffee to prepare for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, yesterday, Illinois' Democratic Party announced it wants to make Illinois one of the first primary states in 2024. Is that likely to happen? I, I think we have a shot at that. Yeah. I, I, I will say about the convention, I think I think it'd be a mistake for the Democrats to come here. I think they'd be better off going to Arizona or Georgia or try again in Wisconsin. Why? Because they're swing states. And that's where... That's where if it's Joe Biden or if he doesn't run Vice President Harris or somebody else, um, I, I think, you know, the battles in those swing states, uh, perhaps Michigan. But uh, but I do think we have a shot uh, at this. And um, <clears throat> having been in Iowa the last time and having watched that unbelievable bungling and botching of the count. It was, it was, I, I just stood there with my mouth agape. They had this goofy app and they had, everything was supposed to be, was going to be, it was just, it, it, it was the final discrediting of, of the Iowa caucuses. I see. And, you know, uh, I mean, David Axelrod will tell you about uh, when Paul Simon ran in the 80s for president, um, how the Democratic Party chairman there, arbitrarily just stopped the count before Scott County and those eastern Iowa counties had all reported in because Gephardt took the lead. That's who he was backing, and he refused to take any more votes. I mean, they've run it in such a high-handed manner that they deserve to be out. 
whether we're in or not. Mm. Well, gang, what stories are you all following in the next few days and weeks? I'll start with you, Aaron. Yeah, so I am, uh, for better or worse, it, I have my ear to the ground on the ward remap. Um, it's just, you know, the city council has about two weeks left before um, they need, they can, essentially, if they get 41 aldermen to agree on a map, which doesn't look like it's going to happen, if they can't do that, then voters are going to decide on the next ward map for the city, which is going to be in fact in effect for 10 years and will affect elections next year. And there's just so much going on behind the scenes. And it's 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 like its own little I don't know, like bubble of of information and, and talks. So oh, yeah. um, I'm interested to see if if there is something that can be hashed out in the next couple of weeks. I, I don't it doesn't seem likely, but um, I would like to be surprised. Well, keep an eye. What should we be paying attention to, Natalie? Abortion. <laughs> yeah. I figured you'd say that. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be so much more here. So much more. What Years to come. Years yeah. to come, for sure. Mike? That Republican battle for the governor's nomination. Um, you know, can can Richard Irvin uh, pull it off? Uh, I, I also in the hunt, Darren Bailey and Jesse Sullivan. Um you know, there are three other candidates running. Uh, and I've never seen uh, a major candidate for governor run the way uh, Richard Irvin's running, yeah. making no public appearances except those that are demanded by his role as, except as those mayor commercials. of Aurora. Yeah. And, and letting, uh, letting Ken Griffin's uh, millions uh, do the speaking. Um, will that work? It might become a, a paradigm for future politics here. That is Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News, Aaron Hegarty, city hall reporter for The Daily Line, and WBEZ reporter Natalie Moore. Thank you all. Have a great weekend. That's all for today's Reset. For more conversations that catch you up on the stories happening around you, hit up this podcast. We drop a new episode every weekday afternoon. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sunshine, and we'll catch you back here on Monday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.